McNulty standing for anyone to get up above Cargill and find Bennett. It's into the box. McNulty cut back for Roberts. It's Gary Roberts no, from Bosby. are leading in the fourth round of the FA Cup. Mark McNulty, but a good chance by Doyle for McNulty on the edge. Mark McNulty oh, short yes. for Bosby. Smashes it past McCormack. One by Doyle. Finished by the returning Mark McNulty. First left blood for Bosby. They're in dreamland early here at Bratton. There's a through ball to Jamal Lowe. Jamal Lowe's onside. The flag stayed down. Jamal Lowe. Nonchalant. Fantastic. Brilliant. Pompey will be promoted at this rate. That is it. Pompey are champions. They won League Two in the most dramatic of circumstances. The PO4 podcast with Hugh Bunce. Proud to be Pompey. Hi Pompey fans and welcome to Pure Forecast episode 198. Well, it's 23 games I'm beating for the Blues. Playing the football, the Messino way. Joining the podcast today is Andy Mitchmore. How are you, Andy? I'm not as good as you because I'm not breaking into song. But other than that, pretty pretty damn good getting through the week. Yeah, another week of having Sweet FA to complain about. Two more games under the belt. No injuries from the Gillingham game. It's, uh, I don't know what we're going to talk about, if I'm honest. It's all it's all overwhelmingly positive. I'm yeah, furious. But... <laughs> don't worry, Andy, you can be furious soon because unless Regan Paul pulls out a blinder, Wales are about to get absolutely tongs, right? You think? I mean, do we get, are we giving away sort of the secrets of the pod? I mean, Wales are currently 1-0 up, so are we going to get tongs? Well, I don't know. I was just trying to get a reaction, to be honest. But talk about oh, a reaction. Okay. Let's get one from Freddie Webb. How are you, Freddie? No, I'm not so bad here. Thank you. Yeah, usual week for me, really. Just working and then reminiscing about the win at Fratton Park on Saturday. Very very basic for me this week. That's how I spend my Sunday through Friday, just reminiscing about the previous Saturday, just reliving it. I like that, Fred. It's good dedication. Freddie, how invested were you in the uh, EFL trophy pizza thing? I know it's a big topic that you enjoy talking about. I obviously very much enjoy that tournament. It's one of the the best in the entire world. Uh, no, as usual, I didn't watch it, but I obviously went through the highlights and researched everything for the show. Obviously, you're such a consummate no, professional. He says obviously, but last time we did this, and it was one of those EFL trophy games. He did not watch the highlights and didn't even look into it as a sort of protest, which is his sort of thing at the moment. Just to say Portsmouth news on strike that does, yeah. doesn't well, extend well, to well, the EFL well, trophy. Well, with, the, with the EFL trophy stuff, I realised I was being an idiot, and I have to at least research it for the show. So fair enough. I, I have dipped dipped my toe in the water slightly. Oh, I see. It's a snowball effect, Fred. It's dangerous. You give yeah, a little, it snowballs suddenly. You're on a Tuesday night away day at Leighton Orient. It's a slippery slope, my friend. You be careful. I know, I know. I'll I'll, I'll take care, wear rubber bands and that sort of thing. Take what, sorry? He means armbands, don't you? Armbands? Yeah, what was I saying? Rubber bands. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I meant armbands. (laughs) It means armbands. It goes swimming, you know, like emergency stuff. I think that entire section should get cut from the edit because that's awful it's disgraceful isn't it really i thought freddie was trying to promote safe sex basically that was my that was my idea he's going to start wearing rubber bands the efl trophy games freddie i'd like to hear your response to that what's your what are your feelings on safe sex and whether the male or the female is responsible for contraception i mean it should be a it should be a joint matter discussed properly beforehand shouldn't it? of course he answers it properly it's freddie webb love that he's got an opinion on everything very um on the fence of you freddie Good we're not you. keeping this bit in are we because it's we atrocious are. we are definitely <laughs> i think this bit we certainly have to i've been i've turned around my opinion on this one it's just for the record uh, wales are now two nil up so your little jive about us losing to gibraltar it's looking unlikely Although if we lose three two this is going to come back and and i will be claiming that i want this bit cut out after all so all right, let's just try and get some sort of structure on the podcast. It's not really going to be that structured, let's be honest, people, because A, it's this podcast. And secondly, there's not too much going on with the game to not to preview, obviously, at the weekend due to the internationals, which we've already been talking about with Regan Paul starting for Wales. So first of all, we're going to review the game against Port Vale. Following on from that, we're going to review the game against Gillingham, which obviously Freddie's going to lead due to his love of the competition. And then we're going to talk about something else. And that's pretty about it. So let's just get into the Port Vale game, basically. 
let's start us off there. This is familiar territory for us. Go straight into the game reviewing. It was a really funny game, wasn't it? Because I think in the first half, we sort of struggled to get out of, you know, second gear for, for a lot of it. I mean, obviously it started quite brightly, so I'm going to start there. Sparks, you know, from a from a deep corner. We, ha- we had sort of a corner that comes out to, to Sparks. And when I was thinking about it being quite deep, he managed to put a great ball into the box and Paddy Lane doesn't quite get the connection with his header to put it on goal. But one thing I want to bring up, it's I've seen some people online talking about pushing Sparks to left wing when we bring Ogilvy back into the side is what they're saying and personally I think that when you see his crossing a lot of it is, is quite good coming from deep and, and hit the ball so Fred I'll be interested to see when you're not wearing rubber bands going to football games what do you think about Sparks there and you know coming from deep and, and playing at that position rather than playing as a winger it's an interesting idea isn't it because like you said a lot of Sparks is good crossing is from receiving the ball from the winger who's playing it back and then, like you said, looping in from deep areas. And it's pretty obvious that Sparks' crossing is probably among the best in the entire squad. I'll look, I'll look it up in a bit, um, his actual statistics. But it will be a big miss if Messino decides to put Ogilvy into the squad. Then you also have to think, where is Kamara going to go? Are you going to replace Kamara in that position? Are you going to move Sparks there? Are you going to move Kamara to the right wing? But then you don't play Paddy Lane either. And then are you going to force him in at 10? Which he hasn't really looked like he's played very well there either. It's a big question, really. And I think we nailed it on a previous pod where I think it would be entirely down to the position we're pl- the opposition we're playing. If Pompey are going to have more of the ball, especially at home, and control a game that isn't really threatening against a side that isn't really threatening going forward, then I think you play Sparks in the left wing for the, the deep crossing and the creativity going forward. But if you're playing, say, a Bolton away, for example, I'd have Ogilvy in that position 10 times out of 10. It's more defensively reliable as an excellent defender. Yeah, and you're talking about being dangerous going forward, attacking attacking in this game. And Port Vale did start, you know, they played some nice football around the park. I thought in the middle of the pitch, they looked good. A little bit susceptible at the back. And obviously they played for people who didn't watch the game without a striker up front, that recognised striker. Looking forward, Andy, they did have a chance quite earlier on. Ball's put into the box and Plant comes in and he just takes a shot and he hits it into the, into the side netting. I think that was a bit of an early warning shot there. Yeah, it was a bit of a shot across the bows, wasn't it? In every sense of the word, in that Pompey did start the game a little bit slowly. As you say, there was that Paddy Lane chance. It wasn't a, a car crash of the first 20 minutes by any stretch of the imagination, but it was slightly lethargic. And I feel like that Port Vale chance did almost kick a little bit of life into the side. Um, there was sort of a realisation of, oof, you know, this is a good enough team here that you know, if we don't turn up, we are going to get punished. You know, Port Vale, they beat in Oxford this year in the league and they are not mugged by any stretch of the imagination, even if they are lining up at Fratton without a recognised striker playing, which struck us as a little bit odd. You know, they're, they're not a team that we're going to be able to get through the game not playing at a decent you know, percentage out of 100 and, and get a result from. So I think it was a bit of a warning sign. I thought he was going to bury that far corner when I watched it live and was very, very happy to be proved wrong that he decided to go near post instead. And yeah, it was a really good chance for them to start things off. I think on the Sparks going forward and playing maybe a more attacking left-sided role, I think the fact that just jumping ahead towards the end of the Gillingham game, because it's relevant here, when we went three at the back and Sean as he came on a long time uh, alongside Raggett and Towler playing those three centre backs then led to Swanson on the right and you know Sparks you know in the league it could be Sparks on the left being in a more advanced role so potentially Messino's dabbling in that a little bit to see whether it is an option moving forward and it seemed to work fine towards the end of the game against Gillingham but Spoilers for the future, but I think that's relevant to the Sparks conversation. But yeah, bit of a warning shot from Port Vale. Got our heart rates up a bit, um, but thankfully, yeah, player drags it wider than near post, doesn't trouble Norris. I thought another player who potentially should have had some, you know, potentially got a goal in this game was Garrity. Another ball comes into the box on the left and, and Garrity sort of heads it over. I think that ball comes into Bishop at that time that's probably going into the back of the net. So, 
Fred, I want to know what you thought about the, the centre-back partner, partnership of, of Shaughnessy with, with Raggett coming in and whether you thought that dynamic worked in this game. It worked in periods in this game, but not all of it. I thought, overall, I thought Raggett had a solid defensive game and his ball playing was better than I've seen it. In the first half, I'm really sure, Port Vale seemed to have an awful lot of the play, almost controlled it to a certain degree. Um, the movement off the ball from the Pompey midfield wasn't brilliant. They weren't tucking in as much to the centre-halves. And then if they did, there wasn't the link with the number 10 either, so it created a lot of problems. And Pompey didn't really control the game like we've seen them previously. I think the, their PPDA in the first half at one point was all the way at 30 because of the amount of possession that Port Vale had. Yeah, between the 60th minute and half an hour, where most of those chances that we've mentioned from Port Vale happened, yeah, Pompey's PPDA was 30 because they're basically under the cost for pretty much most of that first half. So that just gives an insight into the issues this side had. I thought the partnership seemed solid, but it was probably pretty obvious where the play out from the back was coming from. It was mainly going down Shaughnessy's side, which made it a bit one-dimensional and easier to deal with, I thought. Um, but I don't think it was a horrendous partnership, but it, obviously not as good as you know, having Regan Paul in the starting eleven. I think we were just blunted in that first half. That's the word that came into my head at half-time, was just we'd been blunted and what has worked for us in the in the past few weeks just got really well negated by Port Vale. And yeah, it wasn't the flashiest half of football we've ever seen from Pompey. But I think sometimes you just have to say the opposition team have turned up and they've executed their game plan pretty well. And, you know, other than, you know, one or two chances, Port Vale weren't, you know, dominating Pompey by any stretch of the imagination by the end of the half. It was just a little bit, you know, we, we were blunted. and. Credit again to to Messino for managing to change things a bit in the second half and make us look a lot more potent in the second forty five minutes and make appropriate changes, which is obviously the sign of a good a good manager, a good coach. But I think it's okay for us to say Port Vale turned up and executed well in that first half, and they'd have been happy going away from Fratton with a point, I think, and they set out to do that and potentially sneak sneak a you know a goal on the break or from a set piece. And yeah, executed well. But thankfully, early doors in the second half, the game changed fairly noticeably thanks to uh, thanks to Sparks and Bishop. Was it this game where Messino came out in post-match and basically said they, the side did nothing right in that first half? I believe. 3-0. But it's fairly, but again, fairly applicable. I don't think Pompey put their foot on this game where they should have done. And there were a lot of problems, but... Like you said, thankfully, they were able to turn it around in the second half. It was like watching a completely different side again. Yeah, the thing is, though, as well, is you're not going to get a you know a 10 out of 10 performance every week and every game, are you? But the sign of a good team and a sign of a team you can be consistent is being able to turn things on and, and get goals when they're needed. And that's exactly what happened in this game. And it sort of starts at the back here because Portville try and play a cross pass and, and Sparks basically gets his head to it, cuts it out. Some really nice little play in the middle there from Sadie and Morel. They uh, play the ball together, work the ball up the pitch through midfield. And then Sparks has made some, you know, some pretty decent ground as well at this time to get himself back on that sort of left wing spot. Gets there, gets the ball into the box. Keeper, not very convincing as well at this point, sort of punches it a little bit. Gets the Rafferty, who blasts it across the goal. And of course, who's there? But Colby Bishop to deflect it in. And it's 1 0. I think that's a better finish from Bishop than it first looks when you watch it live, sort of to get his feet in position under him. And yeah, the ball is coming straight to him and he's only a few yards out. And I have a horrible feeling that this is going to be Freddie's guess, the XG for this week. But I think it's actually a harder finish than it looks on first viewing because he's got to sort his footwork out and it's almost like a flick into the goal rather than a nice simple tap in. So credit where it is due for what initially looks like a very easy finish from a couple of yards out. But yeah, keeper has a bit of a mare with the flap, doesn't he? I think misjudges the flight of the ball for whatever reason. But Sparks' delivery in the last two games this week has been just magic. It's been so good. The ball's into the box. Is it four assists now for Sparks as well, considering he's not even played a lot of the games at the start of the yeah. season. So he's just having such an impact as well and, and making us look pretty dangerous. And I still think keeping him at left back and having the two 
more attacking players in front of him. For us at the moment, it is his how to go. But there's a little chance for Port Vale a bit later on. Again, I mentioned Garrity earlier on. It comes from a long throw. I know Freddie was shitting himself. He, he's it's a dangerous position on the left hand side, and it gets thrown in, gets recycled, comes back out again. Ball comes into the box, and, and Garrity really should do better. And he just blasts it into the top of the Milton Milton end. At that point, I'm just thinking it doesn't look like Port Vale are going to score. And I'll be honest, one thing I, I thought of, and we'll come on to after we won the penalty, etc. Again, but I'd say Freddie in this game that once we were one 0 up, it was it was pretty comfortable, wasn't it? I thought as much. Um, Port Vale, uh, the Port Vale players, their head seemed to drop. It was as if the, the, all that hard work, they forgot about all that hard work they did in the first half and all the reasonable play they had. And then the confidence just seemed to go away from them. It was it was really strange. But no, I thought the Blues were comfortable after scoring first. They were actually creating their chances. The passing in the midfield was crisp. The forward players were able to get into positions on their own and receive the ball, which was a big thing, which wasn't really happening in the first half. The ball being played out the back was more comfortable, I thought. The press was higher as well through that through that period. And yeah, it, it seemed comfortable. Compared to the first half, I wasn't worried at all that Pompey would concede. There are a few bits in that game in the second half, but nothing nothing that stands out to me, really. Wasn't it nice not conceding first? Like just just for the blood pressure and for uh, the afternoon, like keeping your resting heart rate nice and low. It was lovely not to concede first. And I think whilst the last however many games where we've done that this season already, there are so many positives to take from the fact that the side have been able to do that and how many points we picked up from losing positions. It's, it's quite frankly ridiculous. But at the same time, over the course of a season, is that sustainable over 46 games? You know, I've got no reason to say no, it definitely isn't because so far they've kept it up. But my opinion would be that if you go a goal down in as many games as we have over the course of the season, you're not going to come back in as many of them as we have so far over the course of a whole year. So I'm a big fan of the the tactical concept of not going on a goal down a lot, if I'm honest with you. It's quite advanced metrics. So, Freddie, I, I know this might go over your head a bit because you go with that basic PPDA and X whatever and all those things. But not letting the first goal in, I think, is going to be a profitable move as we move forward in the season. Yeah, absolutely. And, and as we as you said, Andy, it isn't sustainable doing that over time because if you let teams get a foothold and some better teams will be able to see the game out in this league. So it is good to see us manage to not concede when we were not top first. Because again, we didn't play that well at the start of the game, but we didn't concede. And then we've come in and got a goal. And let's talk about the second goal then because Rafty does well down the right-hand side. is some nice sort of switch play, gets into the box, plays it over. Do you think it's a handball, Andy? I think that's what the penalty is given for, isn't it? Handball. Yeah, I think it is a pen. I I think it is a handball for me. Port Vale fans weren't happy, but I think sometimes you're going to see that go for you. Sometimes you're not. And we always say these things balance out over the course of a season. We have a couple that have gone against us that are very you know questionable. You think about Regan Pool against Derby. That handball sometimes gets given. Sometimes it doesn't. And I think this is the same. I think sometimes it gets given, sometimes it doesn't. I think this one is a lot more of a handball than Regan Pools was against Derby County. That's the short answer. Yes, for me, that is a penalty. I think the ref's on oh, ref's positioning is good in the right position. I thought the referee had a pretty good game for the most part. And it is a penalty. It, it did remind me immediately of, like you mentioned, I did the, the Regan Pool handball against Derby and I think if you give that as a penalty then you give this one as well it's just the way that the officials are interpreting the handball rule this year I think I mean I uh, don't think it's quite the same because it um, it doesn't come off another part of his body first like Pools did if if you look at it sort of zoomed in and close up and watch it repeatedly it looks like he's trying to do was it who was it? Was John Terry or and Johnny Evans? They they went viral a while back. I think John Terry did it for England, where he's on the floor and he's trying to head the ball while he's on the floor. And I think Johnny Evans might have done it when he was at either Leicester or Man United a few years ago, and it went a bit viral. And he's kind of tried to do that, where he's on already on the floor and he's tried to throw his head in the way, but he's put his hand down to take his body weight, and and the balls hit it. So I don't see any planet where that isn't really a penalty. 
for me. But um, yeah, I think it's a bit different from Regan Pools. But I think in terms of them going for and against you over the course of the season, I mean, if if that gets given against Pompey, we're irritable because it's unlucky. But I don't think we're going on a tirade saying that it's a terrible refereeing decision. I I mean, it's very easy for me to say that from my ivory tower here after winning 2-0 and having the penalty given for us. But I don't think we're going full sort of furious Freddy Viking if that's given against us. I could be wrong. That's don't don't quote me on Freddy, that in a few weeks' time. Freddy Webb, the Ragnar Lofbrook of, um, of Fratton Park. He is the PO forecast Ragnar Lofbrook. I like it. <laughs> he is indeed. Mm. Yeah, I, don't, I didn't think Bobby Madley had a bad game. It was a bit strange to see him referee a League One game and he was a bit picky at times, but I've seen, again, I've seen worse, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, it was quite funny. I thought us singing the Colby Bishop song before, as you know, because he steps up, it's like a take the penalty. So much confidence that Colby's going to score a penalty now, isn't there? And he just steps up again, blasts it, bottom corner. And that's pretty much game at that point, I think. And there are some other chances later on, obviously. Will Mor- Norris makes a save from distance. We knew Port Vale were going to shoot from distance. We talked about it in the preview of the Ale and Vale podcast as well last week. They tried a few. Obviously, there was a corner. Rafty puts it into the box. Raggett has a header, comes off the line. You're thinking, oh, you know, unlucky Raggett could have stuck his name to something there as well. And that was really unlucky. And then again, he gets denied where another ball comes back into the box. And, you know, he's one on one and the keeper makes a really good save with an outstretched hand. I think that's a really solid save there because it's going back across his body. Yeah, I think Devlin has a good chance as well. I think for, for Devlin, once it starts clicking, it will click big time in terms of his finishing. He's had a couple of good chances, hasn't he? It was one, again, towards the end of the derby game, I think just before we equalised, he had a good chance that went just over the bar and he had, again, a good chance in this game. But the fact that he's getting into those positions is encouraging and then I think the rest will come in time. So, yeah, you, you we could easily win that game by the end, you know, 4-1, 4-2, I think. But... I mean, you, you take the win, don't you? It's one of those games that at the end of the season, you ground out a result. You never know how important that three points is going to be in at the end of April. It wasn't a spectacularly open-flowing, exciting Saturday game, but I, I genuinely couldn't care less, to be honest with you, because it's three points and the unbeaten run carries on and it gets that momentum into the international break and you just have to hope we're able to pick up that momentum when uh, when the international players come back. It was, it was weird to see Terry Devlin out wide. I didn't think he looked out of place. He was still pretty much acting like a box-to-box sort of player. He was getting in, like in the penalty area of that shot near the end, getting into positions, getting his foot in. And yeah, it was a bit different. I wanna, I, I'm curious why Massino put him there. I don't know if it was because of lack of depth or anything, but hmm, a bit interesting really. And in terms of the quality of chances, Andy said we could have had three or four the total expected goals for Pompey was 3.18 this game. So he could have, by that metric, scored three goals and probably had the chances to, I suppose. But no, I, I was happy with the result. Controlled the game for the most part in the second half. Didn't really concede many chances after he went 1-0 up. Killed the game off a little bit with some quality. And you mentioned Sparks' crossing. He only managed to have one Akko cross out of the four he had in this game. His overall crossing accuracy for the season in all comps is 43%, which is very good. And he's averaging nearly five crosses a game. So any player putting the ball in the box that much with that metric is it's an asset, really. Yeah. And one of those crosses, though, that it doesn't isn't counted as, as accurate, obviously, is the one that was that was spilled out by the keeper. So that actually led to a goal as well. So you can add that up on you know, contribution to the game. And he looks like an actually very happy man as Wales go 4-0 up. Yeah, worth noting as well that in the first half of his full debut for Wales, Regan Poole has already been booked, which I have a lot of time for. Love that. <laughs> but, was uh, it yeah, descent? Four... Sorry? Descent or was it a tactical No, no, block, blocking a free kick, I think, when um, he wasn't a suitable distance from the from the free kick, I think. Yeah, loving it. 4-0 up, not even half time. I would do the whole your boys took a head of a beating thing to people from Gibraltar, but I don't think I can name anyone from Gibraltar. Can you help me out? Walker, was it? Played for us? Liam Walker. Yeah, oh, that's a good one. Um, yeah. Who have we got? I just Googled. 
I googled famous people from Gibraltar. Did he come and, out number one? I uh, did no, he did not. Uh, we've got Amanda Carreras, who was a tennis player. Um, I don't recognise any of these people. So is it even worth naming them on the pod? Probably not. Scott Wiseman played for the Lincoln Red Imps. I mean, I've got this. This is poor. Let's move on. Wales are four 0 up. That's all that matters here. I can see Liam Walker sneaking into a where are they now thing now, so I'm going to keep an eye on that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the odds have just gone up. I've actually started doing the um, the quiz for next year, next year, next week. There's a lot of prep involved, isn't there? This is hard work. When it crashes and burns and I screw the scoring up, I'm genuinely going to be quite disappointed because I'm actually doing research. What, you're not just using Wikipedia? Mostly. <laughs> <laughs> no, you may notice, Hugh, that there is... Uh, You've got an extra view on your LinkedIn profile from earlier. I don't know if you've, that's come up as an email yet or a LinkedIn notification, but uh, that's a clue for the type of crap that's going to be coming up in the in the quiz next week. So I'd start memorizing how many followers you've got on LinkedIn, how many connections I've got on LinkedIn. Is, is you, the, is, well, I mean, hang on, so it's more than just former uh, Pompey players where they are now. So it's even more than that. There are multiple rounds, Freddie, because we don't have a game preview, to, uh, a game review to do next week. So. There may be a where are they now rounds. I haven't actually decided that yet. I'll see if I've got enough filler elsewhere. There are rounds that do involve people who are going to be on the quiz as well. There'll be two teams of two fighting it out for a prize that I can see from where I'm sat, but I will reveal next week on the quiz. It's not really worth winning, but that's that's not the point. I think it's anything's worth winning. And just yes, yeah, so just to let you know, we'll have two people from the PO forecast squad joining, so there'll be a total of five of us. That was good maths from me. Let's move if, on. <laughs> if two plus two plus game. one is five is difficult for you, you're going to hate round two. Oh no! <laughs> yeah. Sp- speaking of numbers and maths, we got to play guess the XG. Guess the XG. That's the last little bit of the, the thing we got to do. And Andy guessed which moment it was as well. Because I, will, I, I want to know, what was the expected goal value of Colby Bishop's first goal where it was a neat finish from about three or four yards-ish? Now, Andy's been playing this back on slow-mo video. I can see it all over his face right now. He's now got, he's got the clip up. He's looking at it. He's going over it. Don't Don't let his sort of like bluster about not being... Not being serious about this game for you listeners, because Andy's gone all serious now. He's got three screens around him and he's watching it from different angles. I mean, that's not true, obviously, because there's only I follow, but I've got the virtual reality kit plugged in. I'm actually I'm in the game at the moment, stood where the uh the Port Vale defender is stood, trying to determine my odds of getting to the ball before Colby yet gets there. So really investing in this. Uh I'm I'm quite tempted to play as myself this week, because after the last attempt a couple of weeks ago. As our listeners will know, I'm currently lower in the table than uh, both you, Hugh, and and my hamster, and I'm slightly above Jack Hancock. So I'm tempted to try and play for myself this week and and jump up the rating system a little bit or the league system. Go on then. What is your winning number? Uh, I don't bloody know. Uh, so obviously the distance-wise... It's very close in, but it is absolutely hammered at him by Rafferty on the right. There is a Port Vale player between him and the goal. He's got to get his feet sorted out. 0.21 for me. That feels low. I said that and I think it's low. No, I'm actually shocked because I was going to go for, I'm going for a a Y scout shocker here of a very low number. And and I should have gone first, really, considering the the situation we're in. Because I was going to go zero point two five. I think that's a better like... shout. I think two five is a better shout. Freddie Webb, gone then. Let's know. Well, well, he was the closest with his zero point two five, but he was three yards out. So Wisecout was giving it quite a high bar this time, which means Andy's going to be sick into his bin next to him. Here we go. Uh, Wisecout giving it a 0.81 this one very high bar almost Freddie, higher, for, higher for, than the penalty actually yeah just for a co- yeah, just for clarification Freddie that's higher than the penalty 
Yes, because penalties are always given us 0.76. Yeah, yeah but causes chance. You, penalties aren't rifled at you from across the box, which would make them easier. If uh, if Colby Bishop were taking a penalty that involved Joe Rafferty smashing the ball at him from nine yards away, obviously that would increase his XG, is the logic that Fred's trying to push on us here. So I think we can all we can all agree with that. Well, I mean, according to Wyscott, that's an easier chance than a penalty. So Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So if um if Rafferty smashes the ball at Bishop when he's taking a penalty, it will increase the XG of that penalty, according to the logic that Freddie's pushing here. Fred, is that right? Because I I'm think not pushing be- anything. I'm just reporting. Fred, what the Freddie's saying says. that this is a higher a higher probability of scoring when the ball's been smashed at him. So a penalty by that logic would have a higher XG. If someone smashes the ball at him from from across the box, oh, but that would just be a legal penalty, wouldn't it? What, was that penalty recently where someone's played someone else in or something? I can't remember what it was. Yeah, they uh, they tried to recreate. It was Pires and Henri, wasn't it? That did it originally in the Premier League in like two thousand and seven ish or six seven, and then I think it was it in Italy. It was it was somewhere in Europe that they tried to recreate it, and it went equally wrong. I don't know why you're trying to recreate something that went wrong the first time, but... Yeah, yeah. we can do this better. Do it for the likes. <laughs> <laughs> do it for why the social this... media. Why, why does anyone do anything these days? It's all for the social media, apparently. Let's move on to the Gilliam game. Calm down, Freddie. I would say you look excited, but your camera's off because your internet's dodgy, but... <laughs> Let's go on to this then, Gillingham. I'll be honest, Andy, I'm just going to lean on you a little bit here today because I was actually working during this Gillingham game. So I'm going to start us off, though, from the corner... Let's start with the first goal. Ball put into the box. Gotta say, Andrew does really well here to control it and then just Guy Whittingham overhead kick it into, into the back of the net, which I think Forgotten Pompey goal shared. Um, yeah, 1-0. Yeah, this is going to be a very quick quick review if we do this much on all of the goals. Yeah, I think <laughs> it was nice to see Andrew in score that because honestly, aside from the goal, for the first half an hour, 35 minutes, he had he was basically everywhere in that he was playing the deep-sitting midfielder when we were defending in our box, picking the ball up on the edge of the area and then breaking through the centre of midfield and then obviously looking dangerous in the opposition box as well. So the goal was definitely deserved for the performance. I felt like he got a bit quieter as the game progressed, but that is partially because Pompey were prioritising attacks through different outlets and obviously as I said earlier we changed the formation later in the game to go with three centre-backs but that first 30-ish 35 minutes I think you could make a decent argument that he was our best player I think and yeah the goal was at this point probably deserved I think and lovely little finish makes it look very easy why can't we do guess the XG on that Freddie overhead kick from just inside the six-yard box. But yeah, keeper doesn't have a chance. Lovely finish. 1-0 up. And you're thinking, I mean, everything we're talking about today is contextualised within the fact that Gillingham had also made a lot of changes. So the only player that really stood out from their side would be Johnny Williams, who is another one of, you know, my Welsh son favourite player kind of thing, who if, uh, if he had signed for Portsmouth, I would have, sort of clutched him to my chest as I have done with with Joe Morrell over the last couple of years, metaphorically only, of course. That would be stalking. Restraining order in yeah, Johnny Williams. <laughs> Why do you think I was watching this one on iFollow rather than Fratton Park? I'm not allowed within three miles of the bloke. No. Uh, <laughs> so it is important to contextualise that Chillingham were, you know, they made seven changes from their last league, starting 11 in League 2. So we weren't coming up against a full-strength League 2 side Having said that, we made plenty of changes as well. But it says a lot that we've made a number of changes for this side. And I was still seeing the odd post on social media saying, why are we risking this players? This is the rubbish cup. We shouldn't be risking these players. And you're thinking, well, you know, it's not the Hampshire Cup. We do have to play some known players here. We've got to play some senior players. You know, if you you make too many changes, you get done these days. Was it was it Bristol Rovers a few years ago got got fined for making too many changes for a cup game? We got uh, it, it was a, it was a peach trophy game. They did that as well, and I think another team got fined for playing 
their starting keeper because you're only allowed to make a certain amount of changes yeah. and then subbing him off pretty much from kickoff. Yeah, they subbed him in the first minute. Yeah, that happened a couple of years ago as well. So, I mean, we've got to play a certain strength of side and the number of changes we made, that is, you know, it's not our first 11. It's not our, our first choice 11 for the league. So the fact that it looked so good on paper and and to a certain extent on the pitch as well is really encouraging in terms of squad depth. I saw a Gillingham fan say on social media that it was okay because they were basically lining up against the first choice Pompey 11. And I saw someone else had replied and they'd listed an entire first team that didn't feature in this fixture that, you know, would, well, it's basically our normal first team that would be really high up in the league. So, yeah, contextualising it in terms of squad depth, we score that first goal and you think this should be realistically a fairly sort of ABC, as was planned, victory. Um, I enjoyed the consistency in the refereeing. So at some point in the first half, I think it was when we were 1-0 up, uh, Zach Swanson was chasing back and he literally elbowed someone in the lumbar spine to an extent. Like I sort of shuddered with you know just empathy of how that how much that would hurt referee didn't do anything about it gave a free kick but didn't book Swanson which was which was nice to see and then about 20 minutes later ball came off Gavin White for a a throw in referee gave the throw into Portsmouth the Gillingham player said about four words to him and got booked <laughs> I just love the refereeing consistency there you can't do like a section 18 ABH or no, section 47 ABH or whatever it is but uh you can't Slag off the referee to his face. Anyways, I've got one on. Second. Wait a second. What? Andy, how do you know about all these different assault laws? Is that just, you know... Is it Section 47? I don't know. Section 47 just, of Pace? I'm just really amazed that you know all these things. Is that oh, I know. Section 47 thing? is bail. What's ABH, is it? Because GBH was 18 and 20. ABH, Pace. I've I never... did A-level law badly. Oh, no. So, oh, I've embarrassed myself here. Yeah. So it's Section 47, but it's the Offences Against the Person Act. It's not a PACE. PACE is the Police and Criminal Evidence Act. Let's let's go back to the Gillian. Wow, this game. is really, really fun. Just Freddie, wait till round four something. next week where we do PACE section <laughs> numbers and um, what you need in terms of reasonable grounds to stop and search. It's going to be an absolute page turner. Can't wait. I legit think that I might not get any questions right in this quiz. I think that no, there's, a- there's, there's, there's not a legal precedent around. Don't worry. Okay. Freddie, what are you going to say about the game? Uh, it, it was to move on from one of Andy's points, and I liked the <laughs> please, fact please that do, was, please. Move I, I, I like the points. fact it was a mixture of first team regulars and squad players, because if you want the squad players to develop and if you want them to make an impact when they are subbed on in first team matches, they need to play competitive games with first team players. They just have to. It, it, obviously, training with them every day is one thing, but being able to perform alongside them in competitive games such as this one, it will make them better players. And like you said, whenever you have full rotations of 11s, the, the play isn't as crisp, the the passing is, isn't there. Some players are almost passing to nobody because nobody's making the run. It can cause a lot of problems. So no, I like the fact that, especially since the Northampton game was rearranged for international break, that Pompey used a mix of starting 11 players and squad players as well because we we need to get so these younger players games Andrew needs to play to build up his fitness especially if Massinho wants to use him a little bit more I also like the fact that he showed off his defensive and attacking capabilities because on paper he can play deeper in the midfield and at cam so it's nice that he showed both of those and yeah it's good for other players like Swanson to get 90 minutes and Etretri yeah but even in the first half, we were, even though we were ahead, there was the uh, the Gillingham goal we also had to talk about. Yeah, we can talk about that a little bit, I suppose. Andy, you were talking about, I was asking you about it whilst working and you were watching the game and you said that it was a bit of a shambles with the, the sort of the towel of ragged partnership at the back. And it, no, just, that's, that's not the wording I used. Do not push me under a bus here with, it, it, with incorrect... <laughs> Quoting, that's that's absolutely not what I said. I said that the goal we conceded hadn't reflected well on the two of them. That's what I said, I think. You're going to get my exact wording up now. I said, maybe I said it was a bad audition or something. I won't do that because you said shambles. We'll just, we just go with that. But but, that, that, did I say the word shambles? 
<laughs> I'm not convinced I did. I'm going to check this while uh, is while Hugh is Hugh used reported speech or is he directly quoted Andy? We'll find out. We don't really care either way. Let's be honest. The point was Andy. I wanted to know what your feeling was rather than you just trying to work out whether my speech is liable or not. Was just literally. Andy, how did you feel about the back partnership there of Towler and Racket? And it did look like it was played through quite easily, didn't it? My exact phrasing was strong audition for Racket and Towler there, as we conceded. No shambles. And then so, I put, are you being sarcastic? Question mark. Correct? Yeah. And I said, yeah, Nichols did both of them, one after the other, setting up the equaliser. Sounds like shambles to me. Uh, but you're paraphrasing. As is your want, but don't directly attribute quotes to me. This is what this is how bad things happen in in the media when people get taken out of context, out of context. Po forecast that's <laughs> that would shut us down. If, if that Twitter account came out, yeah, then none of us would have jobs anymore. The actual defending, though, I want to know if you thought maybe it's just the fact that the two defenders hadn't played together as much, or but you know, what do you think was the cause of the mix up there at the back for the Gilliam goal? It's not even a horrific mix up between the two centre-backs. I think it looked worse in the moment because it's literally a case of does Towler, takes a touch, does Raggett, takes a touch, squares it, goal. I think it's because it was so back-to-back and you know only a split second apart doing both of those centre-backs. It probably is worse to the casual observer than it really was. It wasn't a terrible you know mess-up in communication I think Towler commits when he doesn't really need to to the tackle there. He thinks he can get a foot in and he's mistaken. And then Raggett is coming in from the wrong side and overshoots his his attempted block. So it's not a complete mess of a, a defensive screw up. It just in the moment in my comment to you, I think it just looked worse than it was because it was so oh, he's done one of them. Oh, cool, he's done the other one. Okay, cool, one all sort of thing. It was very sharp and depressing in in a short space of time. Yeah, no, I get that. And again, we go in at halftime then. It's a bit of a late blow, 1-1. Once again, the team rally and don't want to sound like just too constantly positive, but it's good to see how the team come out again. What a goal that is from Stevenson, by the way. What a goal that is for Nick at 2-1. Comes out to the box late and he just hits it. And Freddie, do you want to describe how he gets that technique completely right? It was, it was a lovely finish, wasn't it? Pretty much almost as if he wraps his boot around it. It was awesome finish. He, I think he came out afterwards and said he scores most of his goals from outside the box. So that might be something to keep an eye on when he's in the starting 11 for pack. But no, again, I like the fact that Stevenson got a lot of minutes with pack being out for a month with his injury ish. And we don't know how quickly he'll get up back to fitness afterwards. It's incredibly important for Stevenson to get, get those minutes in and get used to playing and the deeper role in that midfield. Yeah, the build-up to that goal was lovely. I think Sadie had a lot to do with a lot of the good things that happened in the first sort of 70-ish minutes of this game from a Pompey side, of, a Pompey point of view, that Sadie, Kamara, Anjurin sort of trio just linked up really well, which is kind of what I wanted to see when the, the starting eleven was announced. But that goal comes across from a, a lovely cross-field diagonal from Sadie to begin with. Kamara has a good first touch and lays it back to White, who again, good opportunity for him to get some minutes in his legs tonight. Hasn't quite really, really clicked for him. I think he's become a bit of a an easy scapegoat for for some people, which I don't agree with. But it was nice to see him get some minutes under his under his belt. Plays it across to Stevenson. And then, yeah, to, to finish that into the far corner, bend it into the far corner first time. Keeper's never saving it. It's a really nice goal. And at this point, the momentum just kicks in straight away. It was immediately after this, I think Kamara had a one-on-one that the keeper saved. Then immediately Yangi hit the bar after that. And then we have our third goal. And it's just an absolute barrage. It's kind of similar to a few weeks ago against, or a couple of weeks ago against Wickham when we had that spell where it was just like banging the door down. And you're you're thinking it's a matter of when, not if, the ball goes in. It was kind of like that, where they're just creating chance after chance after chance and just not giving the opposition an out ball. And then, yeah, we do manage to sort of consolidate into a two-goal advantage with uh, the Yangi header with another disgusting ball in from Jack Sparks, who is making a habit of this. And uh, I think he did it again later on in this game as well. It's just, um, it's really nice to see. 
what a, a leap from Yangi though for that goal. And my God, it ta- towers it up, gets power and accuracy in the header as well. It could, it could have easily gone wrong, but no, right in the corner, lovely finish. And I'm so happy to see him back. And he hasn't, in this game, I was just glad that he didn't look like he skipped a beat really from that injury because we've seen injuries before where, where they're quite nasty. If a, a player, especially a squad player, is out for a month or so, sometimes takes them really long to get back into the swing of things. But no, I thought he had a brilliant game and that was a lovely header. And Kamara gets in with the fun as well. Ball comes in. He really plays well. And that's interesting to see how he playing on the other side there rather than playing on the left. He'd be able, he sort of gives him that opportunity, doesn't it? Rather than to get to the byline to just to come, come in narrow basically and shoot from there. And again, it's a really lovely finish from, from Abu Kamara at this stage. You're just running away with it. Aren't we really Andy? And yeah, what can you say? What a goal. And yeah. I just want to say before we go on to that Towler point again, five goals in this game from different goal scorers, four different assists as well. People making assists in this game. And I think only one of those players who scored necessarily you'd say was the, one of the starting players. So it just goes to show what great squad depth we've got. And yeah, what do you think about the Kamara goal? Yeah, I mean, the firstly for Yangi, the minutes per goal ratio he's operating on at the moment must be absolutely disgusting. Long may it continue. But I think in terms of the Kamara goal, yeah, coming in from the right-hand side, it just shows a bit of diversity in the role that he can offer to the side. Because as much as it's great at the moment where we've got you know, other than bits that are going on in central midfield at the moment, we've not got massive injury worries at the moment. That That isn't likely to be the case for the entire season. So, yeah, Paddy Lane has looked really, really good on the right and has linked up really nicely with both Zach Swanson and Rafferty playing behind him. And Swanson in particular on the overlap has looked really, really good. That's wonderful. Long may it continue. But there is potentially, let's say we get to March and Lane's out till the end of the season with a, a tweak of some sort. And we know that Sparks has been playing on the left in a more attacking role. If you can put Kamara in on the right and know he's going to do a good job, then you know having that diversity is is never going to be a bad thing. So yeah, it's um it's a cheeky little finish, isn't it? Sort of very quick one touch, gets out from under his feet. And then bends it far corner. And again, keeper's not saving it. I felt a bit sorry for the keeper in this game. I don't think many of the five that we scored were really savable at all. I think he was on a bit of a, a hiding for nothing on that. But yes, yeah, just a, a lovely finish cutting in. The angle's perfect for him. And it's just his confidence, isn't it? All of this is building confidence. Yeah, I've just looked up Yengi's goals per 90 and it's two and a half. He's only played like you know, about 180 odd minutes or so, but no, he obviously he won't go at like two and a half goals per game pace, but no. I mean, Massively who you'd good. say that he won't, Freddie? Don't don't tell him what he can and can't yeah. do. Negative man strikes again. There we go. He's going to do that all season, Fred. Well, I sincerely hope so. <laughs> I sincerely <laughs> hope so, but yeah. Talking about back onto tactical analysis in this game, what did you think about putting the three at the back? I mean, added in there, you know, Sean as he comes in and plays in, in a three there. I was reading something on Twitter. I saw Sonny put up a, a tactical analysis about this and go and have a read on it. It's, it's really good. But the three, four sort of one, two there, I thought it's, it was just quite interesting to see that sometimes you've had managers who don't necessarily have a plan B, but it was good to see the team come out, play this sort of different sort of system and really thrive in it. I mean, you're not, you're not going to get a better time to experiment with a back three than the final half an hour of this game. And yeah, for anyone who wants to read that from Sonny, the catchy at of at son son 189802. So I don't know what happened. I mean, that could be a birthday or something. Oh no, 1898. It's our birthday. 1898, 125 years. I'm so smart. Or it's a coincidence, don't I? Mass man strikes again. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a lot of jokes, but not going to use them. Uh, they wouldn't make the cut, probably for for good reason. But yeah, the the thread that Sony put together was was actually quite interesting on it in terms of how that created a bit of an overload for us on the left hand side later in the game. I think there was a the effort later on where or the effort where Kamara scored. We had a man overlap on the left. Sparks was out there completely unmarked, 
man over if it was needed. So there were options there, and he would have had a, a very high XG, possibly. <laughs> Don't know how XG works, but I would have thought it would be a high XG chance if the ball had been squared across to him. So it was something that I, I think Gillingham weren't expecting because, I mean, it's not really been tried by Pompey too much this season. In fact, I can't think of a single time we have tried it off the top of my head. And I think it caught them off guard. And it, again, we want to have a plan A, a plan B, a plan C. How often have we said with previous managers we haven't got that or we haven't got those plans that the players can actually enforce to a high standard? So again, with all that context of this is a League Two side with a lot of changes, going three at the back, you know, we didn't concede with three at the back. It created more opportunities moving forward. It changed to our danger men were as we progressed through the game and yeah, just gave it a bit of a different, a bit of a different vibe. And I don't think it's going to work against all opposition. I think there are some, I mean, we, we've seen what happens when some of our centre-backs get isolated. There's some quick attacking oppositions that are going to absolutely rake us over hot coals if we get caught out playing that that way. In the right occasion, it's potentially going to be a, a good good plan B if we're chasing the game late on. Fred, can you see a situation where in the league that system would be beneficial against a different team? Oh, potentially, if again, it's a, it's a formation where I think Pompey would use it if they want to bring almost an extra man forward and then use the wing backs and then bring more attacking central players in. I can imagine if you're chasing a game and you want to have Yenge and Bishop up front, imagine in that system with Yenge and Bishop with uh, somebody behind him. And then using the wing backs, behind. Some, yeah, exactly. And then try to try and get some try and get some width there. I think that could work really well. But like Andy said, I wouldn't want to use it against a side that's got a lot of pace in the counter attack because I like Shaughnessy and Paul. But you can imagine if one of them gets isolated out wide, especially in that scenario with um, more adventurous wing backs, then there's going to be a lot of space for Pompey to for the opposition to exploit, isn't there? So. Something is something to practice and something to keep in mind and to use in the middle of games, but I wouldn't be starting with it, I don't think. No, I agree. It's just nice to say we've got some tactical flexibility there and to try it out, as Andy said, in a game where it doesn't really matter, to be honest. And um it was it was a good a good run out. Andy, talk us through Riley Towler's goal, and then we can wrap up this Gillingham review. Yeah, close range. I mean, how brief do you want it? Shaughnessy header, Towler's close range. Buries it from what a couple of yards out, gets on the score sheet. That brief enough? I do think to be to be fair, one really other quick thing was Morel coming on uh, at half time really changed the vibe of the game. And I think we would have won the game anyway for me in the second half. But Johnny Williams was very much a sort of conducting a lot of the play for the Gillingham team in the first half. And Morel came on and obviously they know each other well from from Welsh duty and you know, I, you just assume that all Welsh people know each other very, very well, but they have played together previously. So Morel just basically just sat on him and and just stuck with him and didn't let him impact the game. And Williams was the one sort of creative spark, one X-factor player that you'd say that Gillingham had. And Morel stopped him from doing pretty much anything in the second half. So I think we, we probably should mention that. But yeah, the Towler goal. Close range, centre-back, right place, right time. Yeah, don't know what else to add to that, to be honest with you, mate. It's uh, not a goal that's going to feature in the the goal of the month compilation, I wouldn't imagine. It's a very nice set-up header from Shaughnessy. And nice uh, you one. can't really miss. I was going to say, Taylor did very well to get in front of his man there as well. And positionally, he was excellent. And for Shaughnessy to be able to divert the header back across goal like that, that's a very difficult skill to do, I think. So, no, very, very technical goal, even though very, it seems simple. Yeah. I think also, final thing on this in terms of the youth, really good to see Mitch Aston come on, make his debut for the last, what, 10, 15. Same for Kobe Mato, obviously not his debut for us. But um, I think, was it a year ago today, they beat Southampton in like the Hampshire Cup or something? And he was on the score sheet in that game. It showed up in the Frat and Faithful Memories tab that he'd scored in that game. So, I mean, he's been around for a little while now. But, yeah, nice to see them both come on and get some game time. Uh, Schofield in goal, obviously, is unless things go very badly wrong in terms of the league. 
unlikely to get too much league time, but he's been consistently given minutes in this trophy. And I mean, I don't think he's going to be able to do a huge amount about the goal, really closing him down when he received the ball to feet to try and put pressure on him because he's an inexperienced keeper. And he dealt with it fairly well and made a really good save from what one-on-one in injury time at the end of the game as well. And I do think with him, it's literally going to be getting minutes under the belt. But really good to see Schofield get some uh, some game time, made a really good save in injury time from a one-on-one. Long may that continue as well. It'll be interesting to see if um, we stick with that lineup when we inevitably get to Wembley. Freddie will be literally getting tickets this time. Now he's all on board the EFL bug, EFL trophy bug. Oh, obviously, 100%. I'll flake finally and be the first in the queue. Sell out. Exactly. Stick to your guns, mate. Come on, get on it. Right, anyway, is there anything else to talk about or should we wrap this one up and wait for next week's one? I think worth us sort of saying our condolences to the family of Pete Blackman. I know it was five days ago now, but we haven't recorded an episode since it happened. Um, we've all, alongside a lot of other Pompey fans on social media, had interactions with Pete over the last goodness knows how many years it's scary how old we're all getting um but unfortunately yeah pete passed away last week did some incredible photography around fratton park one of his photos was featured on the big screen um before the game this week at fratton uh on on saturday and yeah just i guess a condolences to those of you who knew him in real life and those of you who interacted with him on social media and uh cheers pete uh, we all enjoyed chatting with you over the years so Bit of a hard right turn there to go from uh, Gillingham at home to that, but I think worth us uh, worth us saying. Yeah, very well said, Andy. Very well said. A uh, little bit of an apology, obviously, for the audio for the last podcast. Freddie Webb basically sent it to me with a gain right down. So it's super quiet. I did say to him at the time, he didn't know what's gone on. He's recently resent me the file. It doesn't work, Fred. I've tried to import it in surfing. It doesn't work. So I've converted the file again before the show. So... Fingers I'll be, crossed that works. I'll, I'll, I'll be honest, mate. I don't know. People will let me know. We'll see if it works. But if not, apologies. I, I, apologies as well to the listener who had to turn his Bluetooth up to, to 50 to listen in the car and then nearly shit himself when uh, his phone went off. And yeah. <laughs> you could have caused someone to die, Freddie, with your poor editing skills. Honestly, effect. really missed opportunity there to, to have the audio really low and then sort of randomly 17 minutes in to insert, like, you know, that audio clip from Pornhub that someone put in the match of the day studio that one time absolutely missed opportunity but i think freddie honestly has just been doing his absolute best to make sure he never gets asked to edit the main show because <laughs> he's lost all all responsibility or permissions on the editing front so well played fred if that's what you were going after i mean, I mean it would take an intelligent man to do that on purpose really but no it was just me doing the balls up to be honest well, we'll i mean see. are we meant to jump in and, and, and argue with that i don't know no, well, I don't think, many listen- don't think many of the listeners are going to be calling for Freddie to be the editor of the, of the podcast generally, but mm. he'll come back better next time and we'll make sure next time the audio, we'll have to multiple test it. across. You'll get another platforms. chance to edit on episode 396 or something, so, or what, what are we on, 197, 198 at the moment. Yeah, so yeah, 396, we'll give him the opportunity to to try again. Yeah. Poor Freddie. Uh, I feel like we've just jumped on him a little bit and I can't even see his face because his camera's <laughs> not on and I feel like we've just hurt his feelings. Sorry, Fred. No, but, uh, no, you didn't. You didn't. It was a balls up. But thankfully, as far as I'm aware of, we fixed it. So fingers crossed anyway. We're a team. When we do good things, it's as a group. When we do bad things, I mean, it, it's entirely on Fred. Yeah, we just <laughs> hang him out to dry. <laughs> Win together, lose alone. That's how it works, right? That's right. I did that on social media. It's exactly the same as football. You win as a team, you lose, and you've got to find a scapegoat to blame in the squad. So, unfortunately, this week it's Freddie. Survival of the fittest, Fred. Uh, well, I'm, I'm strong enough to take it on the chin. No worries. <laughs> <laughs> All right, boys. It's been great. We, 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 we've done pretty well here. We got to, what, an hour, roughly, I reckon? So considering there's no game to preview for this weekend. So what I'm going to say, people, is enjoy the international break. Enjoy yourselves. Andy Mitchmore, it's been great having your podcast. How are Wales doing? Uh, still 4-0 up, living the dream. Got, what, 25 minutes left to uh, 
to enjoy us seeing a famous international friendly win against the mm-hmm. powerhouses of Gibraltar. To be fair, the other option was us losing at home to Gibraltar. So this is definitely the lesser of the two evils for the evening. I'm happy enough. But uh, yeah, thanks, mate. Always a pleasure to be here. I would say looking forward to next week, but it, there's a very good chance it's going to be absolutely horrific. But we'll give it a go. We only find out by trying stuff. As I say to my girlfriend. Freddie, who I hope your... doesn't listen to this. Freddie, get your rubber on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Freddie, rubber bands. <laughs> Tell us more. <laughs> We've gone full circle. Podcast. Look at that. Yeah. <laughs> Freddie, you can grab in your podcast. Uh, cheers, you. Thank you. And uh, yeah, I'll, I'll keep my bedroom secrets to myself, I think. Going forward, that's probably a wise move. On but... behalf of every single person who has ever listened to this, please do. <laughs> please do. <laughs> Until next time. Cloud Pompey. You have been listening to the PO forecast for Pompey News Now. Available on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Follow PO Forecast and Pompey News Now on Twitter for more information. And there is the full-time whistle.